Hi, Matt Dwyer here, and I just want to plug my Patreon. If you have been enjoying Conversations with Dwyer, please become a Patreon subscriber. For five bucks a month, you get bonus content, blogs, uh, video to the, each episode. Sometimes I do bonus episodes with comedians talking about music. Five dollars a month. You can go to themattdwyer.com and find my Patreon button and join. It would greatly help the podcast, and you get to hear more conversation with my guests from Conversations with Dwyer. Thank you, and here is the episode. A microdose of friendship. I'm right twice a day. Who's the Russian oligarch now? The Opel Latte, the undercover cops. Here comes another sleepless night. You rise and then shine to the DVD menu. You ever open both of your eyes at the same time? Only to Hello and welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Call Your Mom. It's by Cheekface and it's from the album Emphatically No. And uh, my guest today is Greg Katz, who is the fine singer of that song. And uh, we had a great conversation. So I'm very excited about this episode. And there's extra content of this episode on Patreon. And you could look at Greg's handsome face on Patreon. Um, also, I know I plugged at Patreon already, but I do that. I'm trying to make things happen here. Uh, in the show notes are all things Cheekface and also Greg's label. So please go to the show notes. Always go to the show notes. Buy their music and uh, support the band, please. Also in the show notes is the link to Kelly Dwyer, who is also my partner. And if you need a website, she does my website. She does my favorite murders website. She does the ologies website. She does a bunch of websites. Um, if you need a website, she can build it for you. That's all I'm saying. You can email her. That link is in the show notes and she will build you a podcast website or just a regular website. And she's also a great photographer. So if you're in the Los Angeles area, she shoots a lot of live comedy. She's actually a really great, uh, Photographer. I don't know why I said actually. It's a very Midwestern word to use. But it implied that it it would be surprising she's talented. And maybe that wouldn't be surprising because I'm not talented, so I probably, in your opinion, would marry someone not talented. But I did, and they're talented. But anyway, that's besides the point. Go to the show notes if you need a website. Uh, I'm not sure of her prices. I'm just throwing it out there. I think her prices may be flexible. Unlike me, because I'm old and my body hurts. <laughs> um, I think that's all the things I have. To, it's weird because, uh, you know, I met this uh, band through my friend Valerie, suggested them a long time ago, and I've been following them. And then I discovered a lot of my friends love Cheekface. And I'm surprised I haven't met Greg before because we actually have a lot of mutual friends. And as you'll discover in this interview, we used to hang around in the same same music seen in LA at the same time uh, and we could have met I might not have remembered because I drank a lot then and it was a blurry blurry time in the 2005-ishes of Los Angeles for Matt Dwyer alright that being said um, oh yeah by the way if you do like Cheek Face you might want to check out some of my other episodes go to themattdwyer.com slash episodes and scroll through some of my past episodes there's almost 300 of these fucking things, if you can believe it. 
and check out some old episodes. Um, I'm stunned. But if you like music, I've talked to a lot of musicians, as you probably could assume if you're listening for the first time. That's it. All right. Please enjoy my conversation with Greg Katz of Cheekface. An ivy drip of kindness. Quick touch all the dogs. No late capitalism. Well, I stand strongly on the side of everything sucks shit right now. (laughs) Yeah, that should just, that should be like a party. That sounds like one of those old timey political parties. Like the rent is too damn high party. Like everything sucks shit party. <laughs> Speaking of high rent, like did you grow up in LA or are you, I know you're from California. I know you're a native. Yeah, I'm uh, from the suburbs. Yeah. Which one? Orange County. Oh, right on. So you must've, cause I've been here 20 years and to see the way the rent has just like, like when I moved here 20 years ago, it was a cheap city. Like I was, thrilled to death and then just one day i looked around and i was like what the fuck happened but you must really have a take on that no i don't know i think i was probably too young to appreciate the the rent when it was low uh it's been high since i've been aware of it when did you move to la uh to go to college in the mid 2000s oh so yeah that's roughly when like 2010 is when it started getting weird yeah, that's probably when I started paying attention to it. What did you go to college for? Uh, I went to UCLA and I studied philosophy. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess that makes sense when I, because your lyrics are very heady and I would say philosophical. Some would say. <laughs> what? <laughs> What drew you towards philosophy? Uh, I was a history major and it was just a, a sort of a placeholder major and I was just kind of got bored of it. And I was, I was having fun with taking the philosophy classes. And then, you know, you get into the deeper ones, which are not like the, the ones that are about like specific things. Like you think about like philosophy, you think about the world and the way the world works and how you're supposed to interact with it and supposed to understand it. But like the deeper you get into philosophy, the more it kind of looks like math and there's like a lot of, you know, symbolic logic and stuff is a big thing that like, you know, if you study philosophy, you get into it. And that's kind of the, like, I guess under like the skeleton underneath philosophy is like, the argument structure and logic structure and stuff like that. And then when I got into like that kind of stuff, I don't know, that was just really fun, cool, weird, like not anything I'd ever been exposed to before. And I just thought that stuff was like cool and interesting and hard is like trying to beat a hard video game in a way, (laughs) which like, that's, you know, when you think about like philosophy majors, you think about like, you know, at the coffee shop with a beret and a cigarette and a cigarette holder, you know, but like, you know, there's also kind of this flip side of like, you're just like trying to go through these logic puzzles and beat the game. Um, just like the just total opposite sort of like nerdy and abstract. Um, it's just kind of like, like math, like advanced math. Um, that's the best way to describe it. So I, you know, I ended up like kind of getting bit by the bug of, of that kind of stuff. And then I was like, yeah, I can do a couple more years of, of this. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
Does that like if you mention that at, at a party, does some I was person go oh like oh yeah I've read Nietzsche and then you find yourself in a conversation you don't want to be in? Uh, no, uh, you know I mean I know all the like whatever old dead white guys who <laughs> are the famous philosophers um, and the contemporary white guys who are the you know contemporary famous philosophers. Um, so I can still hold a conversation on on those on those topics is there yeah i just meant like it, it did is it you know it's it's like also probably when someone finds out you do music or when people find out what i do it's like then they just start talking to me like when i used to do comedy it would just be like oh and i'm like i want to talk about comedy it's the last thing on earth i want to talk about but even my family yeah. does it. i love talking about music i'm neutral on talking about philosophy um yeah I was just, is, are there, who, who are some non-white or as I would like to say, non-honky philosophers that, that people don't, wouldn't know, that sh- wouldn't know of? Like, it seems like, it, cause it does seem like at least, of course, this is classic of American society that the white male is dominant. And so I feel like a lot of people aren't open or have been shown those non-white philosophers. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I honestly, I got a punt on that because the, <laughs> the philosophers they were teaching me in college were all, you know, mostly mostly white guys. And then I haven't like I haven't explored any philosophy since I got out of school. It was just something I studied in school and then kind of left it in school. Oh, so when when did music and when did that sort of? I know you you have been singing since pretty much since you were a small kid, but when did that become like? this switch of the main sort of focus. I don't know. It's always just been a big, uh, just a big thread through my life. And I guess like, you know, in college, I mean, I was taking classes, but I was also doing the college radio station and I skipped a lot of classes, but I never <laughs> radio show, you know, um, it was just really what I cared about and where my community was. And like, yeah, I don't know. Just always, always been something. I just was really, I don't know, tied up in, my identity what uh, what was is it the, you what is the college radio station that is it that ucla uh, it's a it, it was online only when i was there um it's had a signal on and off over however many years but i think currently off still yeah because when i moved here i discovered kxlu and it just fuck it blew me away because then that was like the main thing if my car could get it at the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I listened to, depending on what neighborhood I was in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, KXLU is an amazing station, um, an institution for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, but that is, they're kind of the only game in town when it comes to like broadcast college radio, um, here in LA. Yeah. I've been, I've gotten into like a lot now that you could stream it. Like, I don't think you could stream KXOU back then, or maybe I was stupid, but like now I listen to a ton of, like I listen to WWOZ out of New Orleans. Like it's great. Like you could just like look for a town and find their community radio station and just go down that wormhole for a while. If that's what you're into. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. I mean, it's fun to explore on tour or just when traveling, like to spin, spin the dial to the left and see like what, uh, what, what student stations are on there. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's amazing. The KXLU keeps, keeps going, you know, considering it's like such a treasure. So 
I'm glad I'm glad they're still out here. Is that what I guess they are? Why is that? Why are all the stations to the left? Is there a logic to that? You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I, I'm, I'm sure it has something to do with FCC regulations from 60, 70 years ago, but. Yeah, because public radio is always that way, too. Yeah. I must find out. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably on Wikipedia. <laughs> the old, old reliable Wikipedia. Um, w- did you have, with your radio show, was there any, did were you just all over the place, or did you have a s- approach to that? How I don't know. I've always wanted to have a radio show. This is so I'm very curious about how you approached it. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I I have always had co-hosts, and you kind of merge your tastes together and what you want to do with the show together. And you know, doing college radio is like totally free form with nobody telling you what to do. So, you know, I had a show for a long time um, with a with a friend that we did like. We played just indie bands, like stuff that was being submitted to the station, stuff that we were like finding through the internet. And then we also did word games on the air, like call in word games. Um, so that was fun. And then, yeah, and then like late, you know, towards the end of my college radio career, quote unquote career, uh, <laughs> I did. Uh, uh, I did a show with another co-host that kind of took a different turn, where it was like kind of. Uh, playing records from across genres, old, old stuff, a lot of old stuff as well as new stuff. And then, you know, um, talking about, about news and events and sports and stuff. Um, but like in the way that like doofy college radio DJs talk about that, (laughs) not, you know, uh, in that, that classic, yeah. College radio hemming and hawing, stuttering and umming way. Um, and yeah, I mean, I still get to do radio now and then. And for a while I subbed on KXLU too. Um, oh, that's cool. And, you know, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's always pretty much just like pull up the last 30 or 40 things I listened to and then replay them on the air. That's the best thing about having a radio, doing a radio show is like, you, you play only music that you want to hear. Most of the time when you turn on the radio, you hear some songs you don't want to hear. But when you're when you're DJing, you only hear songs you want to hear, which is great. Yeah, I wish radio would be more that. Way. That's why I listen to the community radio stations because it's the these guys have their shows and it's kind of genre based, but you know they can go anywhere. And it's like it's just a free for all. And it's like fuck, that's way more than better than listening to some corporate laid out bullshit like Jack FM motherfucker station. Is <laughs> <laughs> the laundromat. Sometimes you need the comfort food, man. <laughs> you know, you don't want to eat Taco Bell or Del Taco for every meal. But like, you know, every few weeks you're like, I just want some French fries or whatever. There and you then go. The French fries are there when you need them. Do you have music that's comfort food to you? Uh, Yeah, like, you know, like Metallica. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> those listening will not see the metal hand sign that i just flashed right, were you a big metal head as a kid or was that um i liked you know i mean being a teenage suburban white boy like i think i liked heavy music um just like 
not not like tons of metal, but obviously like Metallica and Megadeth and you know Iron Maiden and you know stuff like that, and then also just like you know punk bands and and things like that. What what like loud 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 music? Was there a distinction of like when you got into metal and then to punk, or was it just all mishmashed together at the same time? No, it was kind of all mishmashed together. It's like you know you have your like group of friends, and you know I'm I'm like old enough that I like Spotify and YouTube didn't exist when I was in high school, so um, it was like you know people sharing CDs with me and like you know you got to know the records that your friends really loved when they shared the cds and put them on in the car or gave them to you to borrow or whatever so you know it was just like the friend group that i was in they had these these records and you know some of them were famous and some of them were like underground um and some of them were like local bands and but yeah so i don't know some like countdown to extinction by Megadeth was like one of those records and, you know, punk and Drublick by no effects. This <laughs> <laughs> is wild. Cause those bands were all, cause I'm taking a guess that I'm at least 20 years older than you, that those bands were all big when I was in high school, most of it, like Megadeth and Metallica. Yeah. Those records were, those records were already old by the time I was receiving them. It was just, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was what people were handing down still. It's just, in, it's interesting to me that they s- still, I mean, they didn't, Megadeth and Metallica didn't speak to me much as a kid, but also those guys who listened to that music kicked the shit out of me. So that might've kind of ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> that would, that would ruin it for anyone. Yeah. That's why I didn't like that in football because it was kind of the same guys, but, um, but it's, it's wild to me that that still sort of, I don't know what, what is universal about that 20, 30 years later. Yeah. I'm not, uh, I'm not exactly sure. I guess it's like, uh, you know, I mean, first off, any music that you associate with, you know, like being a teenager is just like deeply ensconced into your subconscious and in a way that nothing else is. And then, you know, I guess like part of it, like, you know, at the time was like finding this like massive online fan community for some of those artists where it was just like, I mean, like I was not the kid, like I was on the football team and I was not like beating the shit out of people. I was like a pimply faced marching band <laughs> player. Um, Did you say tuba? Like, yeah. Um, and then like, you know, after school I go home and practice guitar and it was like, you know, the music had so much for like, if you want to learn how to get, play guitar, like learn how to play a bunch of Metallica songs. Cause it's just like every single, you know, thing that you need to know is like in a Metallica song. Um, and then, you know, and then as you like get into that world of like learning the music, like you just because it has reached so many people over such a long period of time, like you can like online just find so many, people who have related to the music the same way as you have or a different way than you have. And like, you know, being part of that community of people is just, uh, I don't know, but for me, it was just like a way to, a way to learn how to love music also. Um, you know, that's why the internet music community, I, cause I didn't have that as a kid. Like I 
grew up and it was very su- suburbs of Chicago and very like you listen to the doors, you listen to Zeppelin, you listen like it was all that shit. And once anybody started veering into new wave and punk, we were labeled as, you know, they'd be like, well, you gay? Because, you know, you like new wave. <laughs> I don't know what the connection there is. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the one guy had like a new wave haircut. So of course he wasn't, he didn't have his feathered uh, mullet. <laughs> like, <him. laughs> right. but, but that's a, that's it. I had that guy, Dustin miles to talk to about like punk and new wave. And that was it. <laughs> it was like, and he was, it, so it's fascinating to me that that people have can find that. And like, I don't learn about music that way because I didn't. I didn't have that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was just how I grew up, so I didn't know anything different. <laughs> uh, what? Because this is weird, or maybe it's just. I mean, it's actually just coincidence. But the last guy I interviewed, Henry from Starcrawler, also was like playing tuba in high school, and I just found that for guys who then ended up like playing guitar and basically being the main focus of the band started off as tuba. Was there anything that attracted you what, to tuba? Oh, uh, I think like tuba is nobody's first instrument. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, maybe you know, in Poland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I think it, it's one of those things where it's like, if you, the music teacher at your school, like sees that you can pick up the instruments like pretty quick, like, you know, they need a tuba player and they're like, Oh, it's going to be easier for you to pick it up. Cause you already know it. So I think it like, it kind of falls to people who, I don't know, just have, have some sort of knack for, for learning an instrument. Um, because like, yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's hard to play. Like, you know, when you, when you first pick it up, the sensation of like blowing through it for a very short period of time and then like being winded, like immediately, like just being like, <laughs> Um, it's like, yeah, that's just like a part of the, this is a part of it. So, you know, you can't do that when you're in like fifth grade, when people are like usually starting to learn an instrument, at least like in public school. Um, so, you know, it's like you get to ninth grade or whatever. And they're like, you you seem like you can, you've you've been figuring these things out. Like here, you try and do this. Um, and yeah, so then I did that through high school into college. So you was just, they sort of pushed the tuba on you. That's kind of, I don't know. I wonder if that must be common. They're like, you're playing tuba. And, Cause like you said, nobody picks the tuba. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't like forced on me. It was just like, it was like, you want to, you want to try this? And I was like, sure. I mean, I was already like, I was learning to play piano. I learned to play trumpet. I learned to play guitar. Like, you know, I think music teachers, they're musicians. They're like, oh, that's the kid who like just picks up another instrument and tries to learn how to play it. Like if I ask him to learn another one, I'll probably be like, sure. Um, and, you know, for me and the star, star crawler guy, maybe <laughs> not that in common. <laughs> do you still screw around with trumpet and do you, with any of those? I still have a trumpet. I pick it up maybe once a year. Um, just see if I can like still, uh, blow a scale through it, which I can, but I suck at it. So do you, yeah. So you never think about putting any of those in, into, uh, your music? Uh, I think with cheek face records, like I want to put horns in it. We tried it last time, but we like brought in horn, we brought in a horn player to put stuff on the album and we ended up scrapping it. 
but like, yeah, he's way better than me. So I was like, uh, I, I was like, I'm not going to try and play like crappy indie horns on this. So when it just sound like good horns. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, now I can't remember specifically, but I've, I know you've, I've, you've, I, you've spoken to being a trio and how that affects like sort of the dynamic, you know, did you choose to be a trio or was that just the way it came about? Uh, you know, yeah, I think me, well, I mean, the, the genesis of the band was like just me and Mandy, our bass player and my songwriting partner, like just writing together. And I think, you know, we honestly had no, I mean, when we were writing the songs that like formed the first album, like we were pretty much like, Oh, we'll, you know, put this stuff out on Bandcamp. We'll play one show and like, that'll be it for this project. Like that was kind of it. So it was really, I think the, the, um, power trio format kind of was like, we were like, it doesn't matter. We don't need to have six people or 14 people or four people in this band. Like, we just need as many people as we need to record the songs that we're writing. Um, and so it was like, we can play all the instruments except drums. So we need a drummer and that's it. Um, and you know, I think like the, like the ongoing, uh, event of people discovering it and getting into it was definitely not something planned or even hoped for. So, so we can really consider like, Oh, like we're going to put keys in some of these songs and we're going to put a second guitar in a lot of songs. And maybe we should, you know, have a keys player and another guitar player, like just didn't really occur to us. And then once, once we had the, once like this project started to snowball with fans. So it was kind of like, okay, well, um, let's just figure out how to do it with three people so we don't like introduce more variables um, into the project and just keep it simple. Did you expect it to snowball? Because it seems, at least from what I've read and what you just said, it just seemed like a thing you were going to do and, and then, I don't know, just to do, to do. And uh, was- Yeah, we definitely, we did not expect it to snowball. We didn't want it to snowball. <laughs> we didn't do anything to cause it to snowball, which like, you know, I think like sometimes people ask like, Oh, how are you pulling this off? And my answer is like, I honestly have no idea. Uh, like, because there has been no, um, uh, like no pre can, there's been no plan, you know? Um, and definitely like, I mean, for me and Mandy, like we've been in bands for so fucking long and we both considered it like a retirement project, basically like, just like, write the music we feel like writing, like make the songs we want to hear. And then that's it. And like, not try to reach. I mean, I think like, you know, a lot of people, I mean, when you're younger than we are, you start a band being like, I'm going to start a band. I'm going to get signed. I'm going to have people chanting my name and our band on the marquee. And, and, you know, we're going to play Coachella and we're going to be on the radio and we're going to put out a career defining single or era defining record. And then we'll tour county fairs until, you know, all the band members have been replaced by younger people, but they keep the band name, like, you know, whatever. And this was just a project where we're like, 
you know, we're like past well past the part of life where we were feeling like that in any way. And we're just like, I don't know, we're still just indie band lifers. So we're going to just write our little songs and record our little records and shoot them out there on the internet. And that's going to be it. Um, and that's kind of still just what we're doing. <laughs> did that, it, did, uh, did it snowball from like band camp or was it, it was that, did it stem from that or was there something else that sort of kicked it off? Uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the, at, at the outset, the first place where people started discovering it was Spotify. Um, like people would just be like, Oh, like the, your song landed in, uh, my discover weekly and it, I loved it. And now I'm invested and I want a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's just like, I mean, I don't know the mystique of how the algorithm works and, and especially for like, I mean, I feel like a lot of music that like people discover through Spotify is like background music. Um, and I think our music is like, I mean, I like background music, but I think our music is foreground music. <laughs> um, it's kind of, it's kind of impossible to ignore it when it's on. Um, I think that maybe that's a euphemistic way of like saying like it annoys the shit out of a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I think like in a lot of ways it's kind of built the opposite way of like the kind of music that people usually discover through Spotify. So it's kind of mystifying to me that it, it finds fans through that channel. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, that was where it started now. Like, you know, whatever, three years on, um, people find it all sorts of ways through college radio stations and YouTube and their friends and other bands and whatever. But yeah, kind of at the, kind of at the outset of, you know, mid 2018, like people were, you know, mostly kind of finding it off Spotify, but it was like one by one. It wasn't like there was like a big bang of something that happened. It was just, just kind of slowly continued to grow over time. That's crazy. Do, and it, were you playing out live or were you just like, fuck it, we just recorded the stuff and it was that where it was at? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, we had very little, um, aspirations to do a lot of shows and, you know, and stuff like that. But, you know, once, uh, I mean, we knew that people were liking it, but definitely not on like a local band level. Like, you know, we were like getting a bunch of DMS every day from, you know, um, kids around the country, like in like, suburban Texas or Florida or Minnesota, being like, yo, this is my shit. And then like, we go play a show in a bar in Highland park for like four people. Um, so there's like a weird, you know, disconnect of like, we know people are out here discovering this and like loving it. They're just not people around, you know, the LA like hipster music, music cognoscenti, who are, who are discovering it. Like those people aren't coming to the shows. As far as I know, those people think the band is annoying. Uh, so, um, so yeah, there's kind of just like a, a cheek freak diaspora kind of scattered around the country, but it's, it's definitely not something where we started seeing it at shows. In fact, it probably wasn't until right before the pandemic that like, uh, I think I kind of remember like we played a show opening for the band Guppy who are an amazing band um, in like maybe late 
2019. Um, and that was like the first show, maybe mid 2019. That was the first show where like there were a bunch of people there who bought a ticket to see us and knew the words of the songs. And I didn't know who they were. And I was like, oh, okay, like this is new. Um, but uh, yeah. And then like right before the pandemic shutdowns in February of last year, we did just this mini tour just doing Chicago and New York city and Philly and like kind of showed up to these roomfuls of kids who knew every word and wow, like crazy. Wanted, to, wanted to party with us. And it was just like, I mean, incredibly awesome and uh, exciting, but also just like completely mystifying too. It was just like, where, who, who are these people? <laughs> Where are they finding us? Why are they here? Um, except that like, I guess they, you know, obviously they like the music and speaks to them, which we're proud of and grateful for. Uh, but yeah, just like something that was not, not schemed for planned for aspired to, or even, you know, yet desired in any way, it just has kind of happened and keeps happening. Where did you play in Chicago? Just cause that's my hometown. We played at Shubas. Oh, Shubas is fucking awesome. I did one of my <laughs> first shows there as a young person. It was a fucking awesome show. Definitely one for the books for this for this little band. Um, yeah, I love that. St- it did everything about that place. I love. <clears throat> and I've heard you say, or actually, I didn't hear it because I read it, but that <laughs> <laughs> I can now repeat it for you so you can hear it. <laughs> Thank you. I would appreciate that. No, that that you feel like your band is a bit outside of what goes on in the LA scene, or is unlike. Uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and probably fucking it up as well, but is that. <clears throat> Do you, is that true? I don't, I'm sort of in and out of what goes on. Like I'm all whatever's on the, I don't get out and see stuff anymore because I would like to, but uh, is that true? And yeah. I mean, I kind of remember like making that observation, uh, of, uh, like, you know, maybe in the early, maybe like a first interview that we did, um, a while back. And I feel like, you know, in the intervening, you know, three years of doing this band, like, obviously the world has changed a lot. Um, but you know, I think like, you know, what music do people associate with LA? It's pop music and hip hop music. And like, do you associate like weird cerebral scrappy indie power trios with LA? I think most people, (laughs) most people don't, that's like probably pretty low down on the list of like sounds and styles and approaches that like people associate with LA. So in some ways I feel like, you know, pretty, you know, detached from like, as an artist, I feel detached from what other musicians are, are doing here. Um, and, you know, feel maybe like more associated with like stuff that's happening, like just musically, I feel more kinship with stuff that's happening in like Philly um in chicago than like what is what is happening um here in la um but you know also i think like you know one experience having played in a bunch of indie bands and doing it my whole life um on varying levels of success (laughs) um you know i feel like the the phenomenon of the local band has kind of declined um overall like to the point where like as we were like gearing up to do our first show back, uh, post well, I just not post pandemic still in the middle of the pandemic, uh, in July, we were like, uh, I was like, who are the good local bands going to be coming out of this? And then I was like, 
are there even local bands anymore? Is a local band even a thing anymore? Like, because it's like the bands that I like, I discover indie bands. I buy records from small labels like all the time. Um, but like, they're not associated geographically to me in any way. Um, they're just like, I find them on the internet from people who are talking on the internet about music. And that's like, you know, I feel like there's local bands to the internet. Uh, <laughs> there's like a community of local yeah. bands of the internet, And like, that's, that's it. I, I think, I don't know if that there's like, you know, that phenomenon of like, because when I grew up, I would see local bands here where they could sell a thousand tickets in a gigantic room and everyone there knew all the words and was, you know, stage diving and moshing. And then, you know, when they played in another city, they played to 20, 30 people. Um, and I think that regionality has like gone out of music. So I guess, you know, in an incredibly serpentine answer to your question. <laughs> uh, like, uh, you know, I don't even know if I stand by the statement that like, we're, we don't, we don't feel a kinship to like the music that happens in LA, like locally. Um, I don't, I don't even know if there is a community of music that happens in LA locally. I don't know if there's a community of music that happens in like a lot of places, because I feel like Again, I discovered tons of indie bands. I love being the first to buy a record by somebody new and hear somebody where I'm like, wow, I'm so excited about this. But that has nothing to do with geography. It's just yeah, wherever. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. And I wonder if that's going to have a long-term effect on how music and because you know it used to be especially the 90s after you know it was the minnesota scene and then it was the seattle scene and then everyone yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it was like the labels were also looking for that because it helped fucking marketing good old marketing but like i talked to Lindsay reamer who's on dear life records and then one of the dudes from the band wednesday which is a north carolina band and she oh so good yeah and Lindsay's on uh in philly so it's like but they're like kind of become like a scene but they never even met but they're like in this sort of community and i'm like that's so foreign to the way it's been for but i'm like that's probably the way it's going to be from now on or and that actually is kind of more exciting to me though i do miss being able to have a scene to visit like when i lived in echo park i'd walk to the fucking echo all the time and see shit. Uh, yeah i mean i i lived on echo park ave i hung out with all the bands that played around the echo and echo curio and pear space and like you know that was my life and community for for a while so i mean in, in no way should i be should it be mistaken for being like it's good that the music community is on the internet and not <laughs> geographic. They'll never if I know. Had to take, if you force me to take a stance on it, I would say it's bad. Um, but you know, um, it, yeah. it's just an observation. It's to me, it's how it, it seems to be like right now, but a music scene isn't a music scene without a urine drenched bathroom. Really? I mean, you know, you can always listen to music on the internet and drench your own bathroom. <laughs> Um, who were some of those bands that you're talking about from, uh, cause I lived in Echo Park for eight years and I've hung out with some of those folks, but we, I know, I noticed you're friends with, um, uh, oh shit. Now I can't think of the band. It's on Instagram. Joey, <laughs> they were the Henry Clay people, but his new band. 
Oh yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I was friends. I mean, still am friends with those guys. Um, I lived with, um, one of the guys from health. Um, oh, yeah. uh, and so, you know, there is that community and the, you know, band, like the Meishi and uh, the other oh, bands. Fuck, that, the Meishi. And, and that's, Seen in that community. Um, so we're in the yeah, same you know. era, man. The fucking Meishi, man. I just those guys. That was that was like such an incredible moment, and seeing them live was just insane. And then that just yeah. sort of went away, and I was like, fuck. Like I was obsessed with them. Yeah, I mean all all those bands. I mean, you know, Health is still doing their thing, uh, but yeah, I mean, all those bands were just. It was special, and it was a community, and it was like you know, yeah, just one of those things where it's like, I mean, the uh, FYF fest, like, you know, it was powered by the excitement, the local and regional excitement for those bands, uh, bands that could not, that were not nearly as popular. Couldn't play did you anywhere go- else in the number of people that they played for here. Yeah. Did you go to the early FYFs when they were in the, when it was just in Echo Park and the local, all the local venues before it went to Chinatown? Yeah, I, I went to, I think, the last one that was in, like, around Echo Park, and then, uh, yeah, I went to all the ones in the state park in Chinatown. Yeah, uh, you follow Jonah Ray as well. Uh, do you know Jonah? Uh, you know, I've met him because he's come to a couple of our shows, but, like, that is the extent of our uh, he's interaction. A, he's a filthy, horrible human being. Okay, that's no, I'm good kidding. to know. <laughs> he's one of my... <laughs> I, I know you're kidding. <laughs> he, he seems like a really nice guy. He likes my band, so there can't be that much wrong with him. He's got good... T- he and I, the, we are pals, and we used to organize the... Uh, we organized some of the comedy shows for the FYF. But, oh, sick. So he and I have always... And we'd get paid for it, and then we'd just go to uh, the Ye Rustic Inn and pretty much blow everything we made drinking and eating chicken wings. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, but I feel, and maybe it's just me being nostalgic, but I felt like that was a very magical era in Echo Park days. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It was exciting. It was definitely a, you know, a, a time period that has, that was great. <laughs> and it's over. <laughs> I, it is over. That is that is something that can't be argued. Well, who? Was, <laughs> <laughs> um, did you? Who were some of the bands that you played with prior to to Cheekface? Uh, I had a long running band that I was the bass player in called Elephant, um, and it was uh, I uh, I ran into. Um, Kevin field medic on the street yesterday. And, uh, he asked me about it and he asked me, was LA font platinum? And my response was no. <laughs> uh, uh, but LA font may have had a couple of platinum songs, but not, it was not a platinum band, uh, but it was really fun. Um, and we, you know, uh, carved a streak of chaos through a number of indie labels, uh, and, you know, but like never into urban stuff. Um, and it was a blast and, uh, but yeah, it was not like a band that like blew up to be a big thing, but it was a, it was a local band, classic local band. Yeah. Fuck. I, you made me all nostalgic now and I can almost feel my hangovers from those days. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I got to drink free for some reason at the echo and silver Lake lounge, uh-huh. which I refuse to call the satellite. I refuse 
Uh, Spaceland. Oh, Spaceland. What did I say? Uh, Silver Lake Lounge. Oh, right. Oh, there too. Uh, there I had to pay. I don't know why I had to pay for drinks there. Mm. Um, what can you, is there anything you could put your finger on why this band has clicked opposed to the stuff you did before? Is Because part of me can't help but think like that I don't give a fuck attitude. Not that that's the accurate way to articulate it, but like the just doing it for different reasons or is there anything like that you could put your finger on? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I like, I'm proud of the music. I'm grateful for the people who like it. I have no explanation for why it resonates with people. Um, yeah, I, I have no, I have no idea. Do you have any, like, I don't know. Do you have faith that this pandemic is winding down? Cause I don't know if I do. Uh, I mean, I tend to think that it's just going to be with us forever and we will all slowly adjust to that reality. Some of us will adjust to that reality faster than others. I mean, we're still, we still have the flu pandemic from a hundred years ago. Yeah. That is still occurring right now live. I read on the internet that it, it still kills 100 to 200 Americans every single day. So it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we don't think about it. No one is like, no one's like, oh, I, you know, I'm staying in this month because like the flu's going around, like people just, you know, go out and do their thing. And I, you know, if I had to place a bet, I would bet that that is what will eventually happen with the current pandemic. But I don't know if that's going to happen like this year or next year or two years from now or whatever. I just keep, I just, I want to use the flu as an excuse to not go anywhere. I want more excuses to not leave my house. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, you know, um, I think we all like kind of are feeling like that on our, on our own level, like just being like, wow, think of how many things I didn't like doing that. I suddenly had a really good excuse to not do anymore. And it's like, maybe I'll just do the things I really want to do. And then not do the things I don't want to do, but kind of feel like I should or would be obligated to, or would feel like I missed out if I missed them. Yeah. I should just stay home and talk shit on Twitter and watch baseball. Yeah. I've always been a fuck off and I've, I've been able to, until I had kids was able to navigate pretty much doing as little as I could to get by so I could have free time, which I think is far more important to me than fucking money. <laughs> like I would rather have nowhere to be and no money than have to go to some shitty office job, which I've done. And it's, oof, it's the fucking worst. Like I don't get, I don't did. Have you done the office job thing? Oh yeah. It's brutal. Horrible. And you're a creative person. So we're not, I don't think we are, I think creative folk are less more made to do that sort of, we're supposed to be like walking through fields and pondering existence and flowers and love. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, eating snacks on the couch and watching baseball. <laughs> yeah. I, what, are you an Angels fan? Dodgers fan. Dodgers fan. I've been here 20 years, so I, but I gave up because I gave up baseball because I grew up a Cubs fan, but the owners of the Cubs are just the fucking worst human. Like, you know, they're major Trumpers and they're, fund they're like on their fundraising committee or were on his and i can't get on board with that i was just like i can't do it yeah i mean you know that's it really is kind of at the heart of the evil sports is like the only people who can afford to own a sports franchise are billionaires and like 
don't make a billion dollars without doing something fucking evil. Like yeah. that is the only way to make a billion dollars. Yeah, the, I tr- I looked it up to see who if there were any decent owners, and the closest I could get was uh, the guy who owns the Orioles was a labor union or a, a labor lawyer, so he would fight for the workers. And I was like, that's as close. And I'm like, and I know that when there was some shit that went down in Baltimore, that they would give free tickets out to everybody, which I thought was really cool. So that was pretty selfless and not greedy. But I'm, but he's yeah. probably still a motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I guess there's like, I don't really know how this works, but I guess there's like the Packers, like, uh, you know, community ownership model where there's like tons of people who have shares of the Packers. My mom grew up in Wisconsin oh. and she like, she's like, Oh yeah. Like we had a share of the Packers. Like, you know, everybody in the neighborhood had a share of the Packers is this big community thing where we were just like, everyone in town was like, yeah, we all, we all own the Packers, you know, very like, you know, mid-century Wisconsin yeah. shit. Not not contemporary Wisconsin shit. I don't know if that's still going on or how that's, similar it is to what it was. Yeah. It, it, it still happens because uh, my wife's family's from Wisconsin and they love to tell you about that community. Oh, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, if we have a kid, is the Packers going to get on the food train and drop off a casserole? I doubt it. <laughs> but i'm but i am curious about how that works because that that is at least better i fucking hate the nfl though but that's yeah I, I can't watch i can't watch football it seems way too uh way too horrible yeah did you have you spent a lot of time in wisconsin uh no like my fam my mom's family left uh when i was like you know, three or four years old. So I would go when I was like super little a few times, but, um, and I kind of remember the snow and the frigid cold and the, the, uh, the forest, forest <laughs> sort of landscape. Um, but like that's, that's it. No, no recent memories of Wisconsin. Yeah. It's a great man. And if you like beer, it, there's like a gazillion like micro brews and like really great stuff that only sells in, within Wisconsin, but f- fucking winter can fuck right off. Cause I've grew up in Chicago and I've spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. It's just like, you people are crazy. I got the fuck out of Chicago. There you go. <laughs> when we played in Chicago last year, it was, I think it was one degree. Oh fuck. I couldn't do it anymore. It was really, it was really cold. Have you ever experienced that? Uh, I mean, I've gone like snowboarding and like the mountains during a snowstorm when it's, you know, single digit degrees, but like, you know, not walking down a city street, like doing load in when it's like one degree, like literally one degree. That was a new, that was a new one for me. Yeah. Like waiting for a bus when it's 20 below zero or just, or walking with like snow up to your hips like it's just like I, but i don't know yeah i mean we were all wearing our little mittens and everything but like the locals were like getting off the train just doing their thing and we were just like jesus fucking christ this is so cold they didn't have hats on they're like wearing a little sweatshirt yeah like, it is literally one degree yeah, and then there's the the whole wind chill factor, and it's like it's different because when you go because I've gone to the mountains in the snow, but it's like 
you're there for two days, you know, you're going to get the fuck out to, yeah. to be like, Oh, it's going to be one for the next five months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've never lived. I mean, I've always lived in Southern California, so I've, I've never lived that reality. Yeah. I, I, don't want to leave California rent and all those things are making me think I might have to leave, but it's like, what am I going to go back? And Chicago had a, the fucking Arctic snap or whatever the hell they call it a couple few years ago. And it was 50 below. Like, like, what do you do if you have a dog? Like you're just being like, all right, in the tub you go to poop. Like there's no, there's not a lot of options. <laughs> I mean, you know, who amongst us has not pooped in the tub? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I can't argue here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, glad we can agree to agree. <laughs> um, I don't want to end on pooping on the t- in the tub, uh, so I won't. But uh, do you have? Are you? Uh, I know you had an album come out in January, if I'm not mistaken. January. Yep. Um, are you planning on? Do you have any tours or anything in that? coming up that uh, the world needs to know about or are you just staying at home for a while yeah no we have a smattering of shows happening in other places and in spite of it all we are really excited about doing that um so we're playing end of september playing seattle portland and the tree fort festival in boise um in october uh we have one gig in la at the echo and then the swing uh, across the East Coast and out to Chicago, doing five six shows on that one. Um, so we're we're really stoked about it. Um, we're just excited to be with people, playing music, doing what we love, and so that's exciting. And then we will, you know, our habit is kind of to release some music every couple of months. So I don't know when this podcast will be live on the internet. So. But um, spoiler alert, we will have a set of B-sides from the album that we're going to release as a little EP um, in September. So either you're hearing that that's about to happen or <laughs> hearing that you're like, yeah, dude, we know it's already out. Um, it's been out for five years. Cause that's- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, we're, we're always recording stuff. Anytime me and Mandy write something we like, we're always just like, let's run to the studio and record it as fast as we can. So um, we have some new songs we recorded that will get out. Um, we'll record some more songs that we've written soon. And, you know, we'll just, we'll just keep doing our thing and, you know, Maybe people keep finding it or maybe they will not. <laughs> are you, are you, cause I didn't look if you're, are you on a label or are you just still doing it on your own? Um, well, we're doing it on our own. I have a little label called new professor that I've kind of always shepherded along, put out a couple records a year. So I've just been putting out the records on, on that label. Oh, that's awesome. God, that's fucking great that you did this. I don't know that, that has my admiration that you just did it all on your own without some, I can't shit talk labels cause I deal with them, but I want to, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, we've like, I've worked with labels where I was like, wow, I can't believe you worked to this miracle. And I've worked with labels where it's like, wow, you just like skimmed 50% of the money we earned and like did nothing. Um, yeah, so it, it goes it, up and down. It, it yeah. yeah. Um, and it also like, sometimes you like, you know, 
the same label, two different artists will have like completely opposite experiences where they'll just, one will be like, wow, like my career never would have happened without this label. And another one will be like, wow, they really just sold me a lie when they signed me. Um, I am like, you know, who, who knows? I like, who knows why things shake out that way? I, I certainly do not. Um, so yeah, I'm, uh, even though I have, have a small label, um, um, yeah, uh, that stuff mystifies me too. It's like, why does one, why does one project work with the label and another project not work with the label? Do you put anything else out on your label besides your music? Is there other people involved or is it just to, to, as you say, shepherd your own work? Um, so the, we have, uh, one active band, uh, besides us called Ramonda hammer that we'll have more stuff out with. Um, uh, we put out, um, not the most recent Rosie Tucker LP, which is on Epitaph, but the previous one, um, we put out, that was our fucking awesome album, uh, called never, not, never, not, never, not. And, um, we just signed, uh, our singer songwriter named Jess Callen, who we're going to put out an album for that is really spectacular and special. Um, and you know, started at, like, I didn't want to sign anything to the label during the pandemic because it was just hard to figure out how we were going to contribute. Um, but now like kind of going into the, uh, I don't want to say post pandemic world, but the, whatever world we live in. And now I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, we should like, you know, I should find some stuff that like really moves me and like put out a couple more records over the next year or so. Um, you know, I mean, the label is really just for the love of the game. Um, and like, you know, but despite it all, like people keep discovering, um, stuff we put out, which is very gratifying. So, um, yeah. I, well, I, I think your band is great. I love what you do. And I appreciate that you spent the hour talking to me. Uh, honestly, it's been a blast and I'm really grateful that you, uh, wanted to chat. An ivy drip of kindness. Quick touch all the dogs. No late capitalism while I'm talking. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with The Wire. Please become a Patreon subscriber. If you like, also subscribe to the show on your iTunes or what have you not, and tell your friends about the show. That would mean a lot to me. As well as uh, go to the link tree in the show notes or themattdwyer.com or Conversations with The Wire at the Instagram, and you could learn more about the show, buy merch, and all those great things. Thank you very much for listening.